Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. This is Colorado Edition from KUNC. Industries across the state are contending with major worker shortages. On today's show, we explore the impact of the bus driver shortage on a northern Colorado school district. We have supervisors in buses. We have our dispatchers that end up in buses. And we hear from an athlete who was recently inducted into Colorado's Special Olympics Hall of Fame. That's coming up. You're listening to KUNC's Colorado Edition. I'm Erin O'Toole. It is no secret that a massive worker shortage is plaguing multiple industries in Colorado and around the country. In our state, while about 80 percent of the more than 300,000 jobs lost in the start of the pandemic have returned, places ranging from restaurants to farms to sports stadiums are all seeing holes in their staffing. One industry that has not been spared is transportation. And we're not just talking about city buses and trains running with fewer routes and operators, but school buses as well. The Poudre School District, which is the ninth largest district in the state, covering areas like Fort Collins, Laporte, and Timnath, is operating with significantly fewer drivers than previous years. And everyone from drivers to children to parents is feeling the impact. Here to talk a bit more about the school bus driver shortage is Director of Transportation for the Poudre School District, Jake Bell. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. We're also joined by Poudre School District bus driver, Jessica Bard. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Jake, I want to start with you. When did it first come to your attention that there was a shortage of school bus drivers? And, and how did you initially respond? Ultimately, school bus driver shortages go back a long ways uh, nationally, if you look. Um, but to get to the, the level of shortage we're at now, which is about 40 drivers short from pre-pandemic uh, service levels, um, it really, we kind of started to get some hints of what it might look like last summer as we, you know, as everybody was in going into lockdown as, um you know, we we knew there was a chance we wouldn't come back in person in the fall in in 2020, um, due to some budgetary issues, due to the basically the unknown of what was going to happen and when we'd return to in person. Uh, we paused on hiring at that time. It was difficult to figure out how we were going to train people and be socially distant and all those things. And we know we have a normal attrition rate in this industry of around 30 to uh, probably about 30 percent a year. And so we could kind of predict that if we lost the normal volume of drivers that we usually do year over year and didn't replace them immediately, we were going to run into, into a shortage. So uh, we started ramping up hiring last spring, and but it just, the limited number of applicants didn't allow us to catch back up. So, so probably last winter, it was pretty evident and through the spring and We've been trying to overcome it ever since. We've heard about some districts that had to furlough drivers last year because most schools, of course, went to remote learning. Was that the case in Poudre schools? Uh, no. So um, PSD worked really hard to be creative in working with our human resources department and other departments that were still actively working, like outdoor services and child nutrition, to utilize our, our drivers to keep them employed. Uh, we operated 
you'll forgive me, I don't remember the exact number, about 70 feeding locations throughout the district um, when we were in remote learning. So we were working with child nutrition to deliver meals out to neighborhoods in our school buses. So that was a, a big way we kept people employed. And then people were given the opportunity to go to other departments temporarily, like outdoor services and, and do um, maintenance or building painting, things like that. So the district worked really hard to keep our drivers busy when they weren't transporting students. Well, Jessica, you've been driving for the Pooter School District for about five years. I imagine your job has changed quite a bit in that time, first with COVID, now with this shortage of drivers. Can you tell us a bit about some of the changes and how that has affected your day-to-day? The significant changes that we felt as drivers due to COVID currently is is seating charts. Uh, Every bus has to have a pretty rigid seating chart in case we need to contact trace. And so that's definitely different than the past where we would only have a seating chart if the driver would like to have one for student management. So now it's required and they're rigid. You know, you can't change them day to day. It would be too complicated. Um, Also, in the past, prior to the driver shortage, you know, bus drivers route, it pretty much stayed about the same all year long. And currently with the driver shortage, we have a wait list of students that, you know, stops will be added and new students are added all the time. So as drivers, we have to um, constantly be keeping up on our, you know, who's being added to our routes, who's the new students and, you know, new bus stops changing the, the route that we drive frequently. So a lot more flexibility there in, in changing quite often. Um, and another thing is, you know, there's longer ride times for our students. In the past, ride times were were shorter. And because of the driver shortage, trying to make one bus do as much as possible, our students can be on the bus for quite a while this year. Um, and full buses too, you know, we maximize all the seats, you know, ridership. Right. Do you have fewer students on buses, even though they're at max capacity, but because of social distancing? Jake, do you want to answer that or? Uh, yeah. So last year we it start we started into the school year with um, Larimer County Department of Health and Environment um, and CDC guidance and, and all these things were, were really rigid um, as we kind of came back in in uh, fall of 2020. And we were limited to one student per seat initially, and then it kind of grew to, okay, you can have two students per seat, and that's how we finished last year. And then part of the reason is, as Jessica mentioned, of the rigid seating charts, mask requirements, we have to take attendance on the bus. Part of the reason that that's all so rigid is because that is what we have to do to be able to go back to full capacity busing. So, so we are now allowed to seat to our normal capacity, as long as we have seating charts, attendance, and masks. <laughs> so, so one trade-off for the other, um, but we're back to uh, basically normal capacity on buses at this point. And Jake, just really briefly, what does this driver shortage mean for students? Um, Jessica mentioned longer ride times for students in general, but is there another impact uh, that having fewer bus drivers means like for kids from, you know, getting to and from school, athletic events and things like that? Well, yeah, sure. So currently, uh, from an athletic standpoint, a lot of our athletic trips, especially at the high school level, happen during our afternoon route times. 
So students are leaving school before school dismisses to go to Denver or, or somewhere for an athletic event. But because of our shortage, we can't afford to have drivers not drive their route to do those. So we're utilizing charter bus services for a lot of athletic trips, um, which of course has a, always has a financial impact. Um, we are, um, so we have students that as Jessica mentioned are on a wait list. We've implemented in the last two years, a rider registration process um, where families have to request busing even if they're eligible for it. So we know who needs the bus, right? And we can route to the actual need instead of just putting every student on a bus that's eligible even though they may never ride. So, so we do currently have a, a wait list of students who are eligible, but we don't have an available seat on the route near them. Um, so that, that's been an impact. And then in the past, pre-COVID, families could apply for school of choice busing. So if they went to a school not in their attendance area, they wouldn't automatically be eligible for a bus, but if we could, within the current bus routes, get them there, they could apply and, and we would do that. And we've had to suspend that type of busing right now too, because we just don't have the seats available. So, so definitely some impacts across the district to families as, as we navigate this. We are talking to Director of Transportation for the Poudre School District, Jake Bell, and District School Bus Driver, Jessica Bard. Jessica, I'm sure drivers are pretty overworked right now. I can only imagine what this feels like. What would you like people to know about what drivers are going through and how they're handling this moment? Yeah, I would probably just say that it, it is it takes a lot more flexibility of drivers this year, again, because of the, the changing uh, students, you know, new students being added more frequently and the routes changing and, and just working with these seating charts and making sure your students are wearing their masks all the time. And um, so, yeah, it is harder on drivers for those, for those reasons. Jake, let me ask you about some longer term solutions. What is the school district doing to try to encourage more people to apply for this job? Our department is is partnering very closely with our communications department and our human resources department on a pretty robust, um, I guess, basically a PR campaign to to get the word out about life as a bus driver and and the need, you know, because ultimately you may not realize there's a need if you're not a parent, right? If you're not a, a you don't have a student in PSD, it may not even occur to you. So uh, we've been working really hard with, with those teams and putting together some, some good advertising material and some good recruiting material. Um, we are offering some bonuses for people who already have their CDL license. So if you already have your uh, CDL license with all of the endorsements you need to be a bus driver, your passenger endorsement, your school bus endorsement, you, it's a $3,000 signing bonus to come here if you get through training with us. Um, it's a thousand dollars if you have your CDL, but don't have all the right endorsements. So, you know, we've expanded our training staff a little bit to try to help get people through the process in a, in a timely manner. We've changed some onboarding to get people in the door quicker when they apply. So we're really looking at this as an ongoing, you know, like I said, when we started it, we always have some version of a shortage. You know, it probably averages eight to 10 drivers. So for it to be 40 is just an extreme version of that. So we've been, you know, trying to figure out some of those solutions for a while anyways. We've just had to pick up the pace with how we roll out solutions. Jake, have you had to jump in and drive a bus yourself? I've grabbed the Suburban a few times and taken some kids uh, here and there. Yep, I've done some of our Futures Lab runs 
at times too. So yeah, it's definitely, you know, it doesn't usually get that bad. We're pretty good at forecasting what, what days look like and, and being prepared, but there are times for sure. Well, Jessica, let me ask you, you know, with all of this going on and, you know, it sounds like some, a lot of changes and differences in the normal schedule. Do you still enjoy the work that you do? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Being a bus driver is a great job. I mean, those kids brighten up your day, whether there's a pandemic going on and their faces are covered by a mask or not, they're still the best part of your day. And to wrap up, Jake, do you see an end to the driver shortage in sight? You know, really, it's just about people understanding what what the benefits are to this position. You know, obviously, as Jessica mentioned, we, you know, our staff are the first people that students see every day, often the last people they see in the evening. They really have an opportunity to set the tone for a student's day, uh, with, you know, greeting them with a, with a smile. We smile with our eyes now, but, you know, you greet them with a smile as they get on the bus and and really just kind of getting to know their students. That's something that our our team here is really good at, is caring for their students and getting to know their students. Um, and ultimately, you know, even in this role, people qualify for full-time benefits, you know, as far as medical insurance and things like that. It's a great, you know, schedule as far as being off at winter break and you're off in the summer if you want to be. If you want to make more money, we run buses in the summer for things too. So so it's a, it's a good flexible schedule. It has, you know, a good amount of time off. And yet it pays 20 bucks an hour when you're here as a, as a starting driver. So, so definitely just, you know, giving people yet another thing to think about as far as a, a career move, you know, there are opportunities to move up. Most of our administrative staff started as bus drivers, um, you know, and an hour supervisors and dispatchers and things like that. So it's a really great opportunity for people. And it's a great opportunity to, to fill a need in our community. Director of Transportation for the Pooter School District, Jake Bell, and bus driver for Pooter School District, Jessica Bard. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You're listening to Colorado Edition from KUNC. On October 13th, Special Olympics Colorado held their Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Denver. Athletes, coaches, and families were honored for their contributions to the organization. Of course, the pandemic hasn't made things easy for the Special Olympics community. Last March, we spoke with Megan Scremen, CEO and president of Special Olympics Colorado, about how the organization was adapting to COVID restrictions but still managing to carry out events. Thus, last week's celebration did much more than honor athletic achievements. It recognized how athletes and organizers have persevered through the pandemic over the last year and a half. Here to tell us more about the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is President and CEO Megan Scremen. Megan, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting us. Happy to be back. It's great to have you back. And we are also joined for the first time by the 2021 Female Athlete of the Year, Lauren Kelly. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. Not a problem. This is fun. Megan, I'd like to start with you. When we spoke to you in March, we were still very much in the thick of the pandemic. How have things changed for the Special Olympics since then? Uh, Did you continue with some of the Zoom activities? Were you able to have more in-person events over the summer? 
Yeah. So in some ways, it still feels like we're kind of in the thick of the pandemic. Um, so, but then we do have glimmers of, of hope. And so we're we're still in kind of a hybrid model, I would say. And I think one benefit is that we've really been able to incorporate the best of both worlds, meaning we are absolutely back to in-person programming um, and practice and competition. It is still being done in a very modified way. So what I mean by that is um, we have state flag football coming up next weekend. Rather than having everyone gather together and having um, a huge opening ceremonies. We're really trying to be cognizant about staging and staggering. So only two teams are there at a time. So we've just changed the way we, we do things in order to give as much opportunity for in-person interaction and competition as possible. But on the flip side, we're still keeping a lot of our virtual programming. We just did bingo with the Broncos this week on Tuesday. We have um, virtual happy hours with with our young athlete families. We have virtual um, programming, like education sessions. Um, we're still doing hybrid virtual and in-person um, fitness and wellness challenges that have been going on. So a little bit of best of both worlds, I would say. Lauren, can you tell us a bit about your experience with the Special Olympics? When did you first get involved and what kind of sports do you participate in? I do a lot. Um, it's like Special Olympics was really good. Um, I do a lot of sports like bowling, soccer, bocce ball, track and field. Um, I got involved like 10 years ago. Um, I volunteered as a with Denver Parks and Rec. And then I decided to get involved as an athlete and then became a fitness captain. And a lot after that, and then this fitness or uh, athlete or uh, sorry, uh, female athlete of the year, you know, because I dedicated myself. That is so exciting. You do so many different sports. I mean, they're all really different from each other. Uh, how, why do you like so many different activities? Uh, it just keeps me fit and it just keeps me like active, you know, it just feels good. You know, it's just, I'm it's just good for your body. <laughs> Sometimes people ask, okay, if you had to only eat one food for the rest of your life, if if you had to pick one sport only for the rest of your life, what would it be? I would do soccer because I love soccer. I started soccer when I was like really little. And since soccer came up, I just enjoy playing soccer. Right. Megan, uh, tell us a little bit about the event that just happened, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Uh, who was honored and inducted at this event? Absolutely. So Hall of Fame is probably our signature event of the year. And so we were thrilled to be able to have it back in person um, and honor athletes like Lauren Kelly, our female athlete of the year. Our, we have a male athlete, Darren Slattery. We honor other groups like our family of the year. Unified Partner of the Year. So Unified Partners, a lot of what we do is unified. And what that means is it's for people with and without intellectual disabilities. And so people without intellectual disabilities who compete alongside our athletes are unified partners. So for the first time we, we recognized and inducted a Unified Partner of the Year. And then we also, for the first time, inducted a Lifetime Achievement Award winner. So this was a coach who has dedicated herself as, as a coach, a volunteer, a mentor for a long time. So it was a really fun event, great way to, to recognize some pretty incredible people who have made tremendous contributions to, to the Special Olympics movement. And Lauren, you know, as we mentioned, you were inducted as Female Athlete of the Year. Tell us a little bit about 
what that means to you. What does it mean to be the female athlete of the year? <laughs> it means a lot. Um, you know, I just, I never knew this was going to happen. You know, I was like, oh, come down in a year or two, you know, just because I dedicated myself being volunteer and just being a good sportsmanship to other teams and not being disappointed on if I win or lose. It's just the fun of the game. And I think that's being a female athlete year was good for me, you know, and, and I can show people they can do it. I'm like, I already have a friend who wants to be like that. And I'm like, well, it'll take time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think Lauren's a really good example of an athlete. We, we have this um, kind of phrase, which is really a mindset that it's unified leadership and that there's meaningful involvement from athletes. And, and we're really changing the idea that athletes or people with disabilities the only way they participate is as an athlete. And Lauren is a really great example of someone who has stepped into so many roles, fitness mm -hmm. captain, which is a leadership position, athlete, leader, public speaker, and she volunteers. Like she's one of the first volunteers out there at our polar plunges and all of these other events we have five o'clock in the morning, she's out there volunteering. And so she's, she's taken her role beyond just that of, of being an athlete and really has immersed herself in all the other areas of programming that we offer. We're speaking with Special Olympics Colorado CEO and President Megan Scrim and, and Female Athlete of the Year, Lauren Kelly. Um, Megan, I, I want to talk about community because the Special Olympics, like any sports team, is a really strong community. Tell us how that has grown and strengthened during the pandemic. Absolutely. I felt so lucky to be supported by such an amazing Special Olympics community. And, and those groups that, and individuals that we talked about being inducted, they're one of many that they represent, including athletes. We have family members, families, siblings, unified partners, coaches, volunteers, staff. I mean, we really do cast a wide net and rely on every single person to, to make what we do possible. And it's been so nice to know that we have that, that backing, that support behind us. Everyone's cheering not only us as an organization on, but the athletes. And they've really stepped up through the pandemic to, to make sure that we can continue operating and, and running and offering programs. You know, this has certainly tried us all. Lauren, I'm going to toss it to you. Do you want to remember the last thing you said in your speech, which just stuck with me? But what does Special Olympics mean to you? Family. Yeah. Well, it's like Ohana, and I don't know if you've seen Lilo and Stitch, but it just came to me as like family never gets left behind, and I think that's because of Special Olympics because we're never left behind, and we get and we're together all the time, and we're family. So that's what I said. That it sounds like that sense of community is really important to you too, Lauren. It is. It is. For anyone who isn't involved, what would you like people to know, Lauren, about the Special Olympics and what you do for people? I would say just go to our website and just look it up and um, just try to be involved as much as you can. Come to one of our events and just watch us and then like um, just find one of us athletes and ask us questions and say, how can I get involved or can I volunteer or just there's a lot you can do. And I feel like a lot of people in the community is, is like always asking me all these questions and I try to get them involved as well. I want it just feels good. 
I just say go to our website, make a phone call, donate, you know, um, do whatever you guys want to do. You know, it feels good to be involved with Special Olympics and it really changed my life after what was going on in my life many years before then. And Megan, just lastly, what's next for the Special Olympics? Are there any other events on the horizon we should know about? Yes, we have. If there is one thing you can probably guarantee, it's that we have an event coming up. (laughs) If it's it's a weekend, we have an event coming up. So we are broken up into four different seasons. We're in fall right now, which include, again, bowling, volleyball, and flag football. So we have several bowling competitions coming up next weekend as our state flag football. So we really will have competitions, young athlete um, exhibitions, which are opportunities for kids ages two to eight to try new sports. So I would, I would echo everything Lauren said, go to our website, specialolympicsco.org, and you can click on our events or event calendar. And I think people will be blown away by all of the things that we have going on. We, We are often asked, when are the Special Olympics? And so we encourage you to look at the calendar and see they're all the time. And there really is an opportunity for, for everyone um, based on the sport you like, the opportunity you want to get involved in, and the timing that works for you. That was Special Olympics Colorado CEO and President Megan Scrimmon and Female Athlete of the Year, Lauren Kelly. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. No, but I just want to say thank you for this. And I really enjoy this very much. That's our show for today. Tomorrow on Colorado Edition, we get an update on COVID outbreaks in local K-12 schools. I'm Erin O'Toole. Our production team includes Henry Zimmerman, Tess Novotny, Alana Schreiber, and Ray Solomon. Brian Larson is our executive producer. Our theme music was composed by Colorado musicians Brianna Harris and Johnny Burroughs. Thanks so much for listening. This is Colorado Edition from KUNC. KUNC.